It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That's right, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. We're following every Carolina Panthers game. I am live right there, breaking it all down. And anytime there's any sort of breaking news, like when Christian McCaffrey got traded and Matt Rule got canned, I'm right there live on Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe so you never miss any of those episodes. If you don't watch the show on YouTube, it's okay. Every single YouTube show is found right there in your podcast feeds wherever you listen to this show and all your favorite podcasts just be sure to rate review and subscribe so you never miss a single episode of locked on panthers and be sure to follow me julian council on twitter at julian council it's that simple where every single friday unless it's a holiday like last week with black friday i am there to answer your weekly friday mailbag questions here on the show to participate in this week's edition of the weekly friday mailbag either at me or dm me on twitter at julian council the first Click the follow button there over on Twitter. Whether you like it or not, the Carolina Panthers heading into the bye week with five games remaining are firmly in the middle of a division race in the god-awful NFC South. The Panthers tied in last place with the New Orleans Saints at 4-8. The Atlanta Falcons at 5-7. And and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently sitting at 5-6. And it is very possible... Heading into the Week 14 matchup, the Carolina Panthers have with the Seattle Seahawks the lone remaining team on this schedule that has a winning record. The Panthers, like I went over yesterday, have the third easiest remaining schedule in the rest of the NFL with losing teams in Detroit, Pittsburgh, both coming to Carolina, then finishing off the season at Tampa, at New Orleans, and of course, in two weeks' time in their next game after the bye, heading up to the Pacific Northwest to face off against the Seattle Seahawks, who currently are 6-5. and five. And looking at this weekend's schedule, the Steelers-Falcons game, inconsequential as far as with the Panthers' divisions kind of standings really where they would be because right now they are, what, a game behind Atlanta? Okay, fine. Atlanta wins or loses. You're not too concerned about that. You've already played with them. You split with them. Um, but that game, not not too much of a big deal. But the Saints-Buccaneers game, Tampa loses. That's really the team I feel like Carolina's chasing. If Tampa Bay loses, that brings them right there within a game of Carolina. And depending on how the Saints, or is the Falcons game rather, ends up with the Steelers, Panthers could be one and a half games back or half game of them. But the Falcons, of course, will have a bye week here shortly where that will get back on level terms. So not too concerned with that game for the Carolina Panthers. But really the game I think a lot of people are looking at is the Saints- in Bucks game on Monday Night Football to where the Carolina Panthers heading to that game against Seattle could be right there in reach 
of the NFC South division crown heading into the final five weeks of the season. Now, what are some of the biggest keys for this team heading into the final five weeks of the season? In my opinion, there's three right now that I'm looking at. First off is run the ball. Second is quarterback play. And third is continue to build on the pass rush that we've seen the last three weeks. Starting off with run, running the ball. And what I have written down is run the damn ball. Because the Carolina Panthers have done that over the last six weeks since Steve Wilkes has taken over as the interim head coach. In the last six weeks, not counting his first game on the road against the Rams, the Panthers have rushed for 859 yards in those six games. That's 31.8 attempts per game averaging 143.2 yards per game. In the wins under Steve Wilkes in those six games, or really overall, the Panthers have averaged 196.6 yards on the ground. In the four losses, the Panthers have averaged 90.5 yards rushing and only went over 100 yards in that overtime loss to Atlanta in a game the Carolina Panthers should have won. So really, if you count the Panthers beating the Falcons, had they done it on the road, in every single game the Panthers would have won, they would have ran for over 100 yards on the ground in those games. So that has been the key. We've seen the formula, and Steve Wilkes talked about it on Monday after breaking down the Carolina Panthers' 23-10 win against the Denver Broncos on Sunday, that if they want to continue to win, it's going to come down to the offensive line playing well, and the secondary, and we certainly have seen the offensive line at times step up and play well. Now, the consistency has not necessarily been there. For the last six games, yes. But outside of that, when you look at the Ravens game, it was not there. The Rams game, it was not there. The Bengals game was not there. They have to be consistent. The Seattle Seahawks do not have a good rushing attack or rushing um, defense. We saw what Josh Jacobs did to them in that overtime win on Sunday. I've been reading up on Seattle, and one of the key concerns from a lot of people out there is they have to be able to stop the run. Well, Carolina's going to come right after them, wanting to run the football, establish the running game with Deontay Foreman for all four quarters. The Carolina Panthers have to capitalize when they face them. Then Detroit, Pittsburgh, got to be fast and physical against those guys as well. So running the football is going to be a major key for the Carolina Panthers if they want to take advantage of this week's schedule in the last five weeks of the season. It's not just running the football. It's also quarterback play, and they kind of go hand in hand, especially as far as quarterback being able to perform because if they're running the football well and you're not asking Sam Darnold who will start in two weeks' time at Seattle to go out there and win the game for you, then you have a chance to win the game. When you're not asking him to go out there and have to throw it all over the yard like Matt Rule is asking Baker Mayfield early on in the season, then you are in a position to actually win football games because Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield, they are just not equipped to carry an offense. But Deontay Foreman and his offensive line are being able to control the line of scrimmage and really run it down the throat of the opponent, then the quarterback play can actually have a chance to just be a part of the offense and not be the offense here in Carolina. And looking at the wins this season, all four of them, the passer rating in those wins – Back in Orleans, against New Orleans, um, back in week three, it was 80.1 when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. Against Tampa and PJ got the start, the best start of the season at a 125.2. You remember, Pro Football Focus had him as the highest rated quarterback that week. And the Thursday night win against Atlanta was an 80.5, uh, where PJ really wasn't all that great. Had three opportunities where he could have thrown an interception, although didn't do that. And we saw on Sunday with Sam Darnold, the second best quarterback performance of the season with a 103.8 passer rating against the Denver Broncos. If you can get that moving forward, you're going to be in great shape, especially if the Panthers can consistently be able to win at the line of scrimmage and run the football on average in the Panthers wins. They've gotten a 97.4 passer rating from their quarterback in those wins. Now in the losses, they're not respectable. 
In the Browns game week one, it was an 80.3, which is fine. And in the loss at Atlanta, it was a 79.5. They could have won both of those games with that quarterback play. But the rest have seen passer ratings in the 50s and in the 60s. And there was one of them that was at 72, the only kind of respectable. So basically, when the Panthers lose, the quarterback play, as we've seen, is god-awful. We see it with our own eyes. The stats bear it out as well, especially when we look at passer rating. If Sam Darnold does not need to give us a 103.8 passer rating performance week in and week out. But if you can have something in the upper 80s, in the 90s, and be efficient and hand the ball off and take care of the football, then the Carolina Panthers can have success with that quarterback. Or if it's P.J. Walker stepping in, the same case. does not matter who's playing quarterback. Protect the football, work out the play action, hand it off, make the right decisions, and the Panthers have a chance to win games. Now, the one area that we had a major concern of with the team coming into the season was the pass rush. Who outside of Brian Burns was going to get after the passer? And we saw in the first nine games of the year, it was Brian Burns, and that was it. The Panthers were among the worst in the league when it came to sacks. But over the last three weeks, Carolina Panthers have gotten much better at actually getting home and getting the quarterback on the ground without a penalty. The Panthers have had three-plus sacks in each of the last three games, five versus Atlanta on Thursday Night Football, Two of them, of course, at the end of that game from Marquise Haynes to close it out. Three versus Baltimore, and then three on Sunday against Russell Wilson in the Denver Broncos. Brian Burns, who has been excellent, as we know, has had a sack in four straight games. At two on Sunday, including a strip sack of Russell Wilson, he now, for the first time in his career, has double-digit sacks with 10 sacks on the season. Now, two of the guys that we had talked about that hopefully could do the by-committee approach and help out Brian Burns and take a little bit of the attention away from him. Now, that's not going to happen still, but you needed people to step up and take advantage of all the attention that was going to be on Brian Burns' side now that Hassan Reddick is up in Philadelphia playing for his hometown Eagles. One of those guys is Frankie Louvu. The other is Marquise Haynes. And Frankie Louvu went into the Falcons game on Thursday Night Football a couple weeks ago with one sack on the season. Since then, he's had three sacks for the last three weeks. Marquise Haynes, much like Louvu, went into that game not with one sack, but with a big, fat goose egg. And as I mentioned, how did that game end? With two Marquise Haynes sacks, and we finally got to see him arrive. He had another sack on Sunday against Denver. Him and Burns having the three sacks on the afternoon. So over the last couple weeks, Carolina Panthers are top eight in the NFL in sacks in the last three weeks. That's 11 sacks. And three of them from Luvu, three of them from Haynes. That is what you want to see. You don't want it to just be Brian Burns out there doing it all on his own. It's guys like Luva stepping up. It's Haynes. Gross Matos even has one. So you got seven guys. You have seven different sacks from guys not named Brian Burns in the last three weeks, and the other four from Brian Burns, who has just been tremendous all season long. If the Carolina Panthers can continue to run the football well, can get good quarterback play like we saw on Sunday from Sam Darnold, and can get after the passer and wreak that havoc and mayhem that we had seen the last couple seasons, they absolutely can run on the road in Seattle. In two weeks, they can absolutely hold serve at home against Detroit and Pittsburgh. And of course, they can go on the road and win key divisional games at Tampa and at New Orleans to close out the game, uh, close out the season. So those to me right now are the three biggest keys to the Carolina Panthers in their final five games. Run the damn ball, quarterback play, and get after that ass in the pass rush moving forward. Now, we did break down how the Panthers win and the subsequent losses from other teams impacted the draft order. And I did make a big mistake on who actually 
is drafting out of Carolina in the whole trade situation. Now, fortunately, because of the win by Pittsburgh last night, that has changed a few things. So it's given me uh, a mulligan to go back and uh, set the record straight. And I knew it as soon as I ended the show. I was like, damn, you got that wrong. So back here, let's talk about the updated draft order and if the Panthers are really screwing themselves by being in contention of the NFC South division title out of a quarterback come the NFL draft in April in 2023. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., UK, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just want to get from point A to point B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday lifestyle. Many tour hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive with Turo.com. This episode of Locked On Panthers is also brought to you by our friends over at Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. Find Block Forever right now wherever you get your podcasts. And Carolina Panther fans, this one was basically specially made for you. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro and former Carolina Panthers center Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes conversation about football to the next level. He gives football fans an insider's look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. Khalil sits down with star players, coaches, and former pros across the league to get the real about what happens on the field and behind the scenes, inside locker rooms, during team meetings, and back at the hotel. You'll hear from former Carolina Panther Christian McCaffrey, who we all miss and love now in San Francisco. You can also hear from Juju Smith-Schuster and so many others. Catch the full Block Forever podcast series available wherever you get your podcasts. Available everywhere right now. Audible. Get in the game. Okay, so I am only human. I made a mistake, and yesterday I got off the show and realized, man, you really messed up the whole uh, draft order as far as Detroit and the Rams and that trade with Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford also, Seattle getting all those picks from Denver. Like, you really messed it up by saying the Rams have the third pick when clearly, clearly it's Detroit who has it. I Also, in large part for me, it was kind of like, are the Rams really that bad this year? Like, they are, there's no way. There's no way the Rams – who just won the Super Bowl are that bad, but apparently they are. And Detroit is in a great position with the Rams pick to draft whoever they want. And Seattle, well, good for them. They made the right decision. Geno Smith has been fantastic for them, and they're in position to draft whoever they want, maybe even a quarterback. And I know there's a lot of people out there, and I've, I talked about yesterday how folks have come up to me, well, I guess really not come up to me, but have DM me or whatever being like, hey, Julian, like I want to be excited at Team 1, but I mean uh, – uh, are we gonna are we gonna get a quarterback now? We're we gonna miss out on it. It's like guys, 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 guys. The point of football is to win the game. You play to win the game. You want to win. Of course, the long term stability of the franchise and finding a quarterback is paramount. I understand that. We all understand it. The Panthers understand it. That's why they've been desperate. Going after Deshaun Watson, didn't want to be here. Matthew Stafford didn't want to come here. Trying to kick the tires on Russell Wilson. Thank God we didn't do that, of course. And then seeing 
Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater trading up for Matthew or Matt Corral. I guess his God name, his God given name, his biblical name is Matthew. But either way, you've seen the desperation that they have gone out and tried to seek that answer and where that's gotten them, which kind of should lead you to believe that maybe, just maybe. The Panthers should just do team building the traditional way and when an opportunity to get a quarterback, especially in the first round, arises, then let it come to them opposed to being desperate and going out there and seeking it in the ways they've done the last couple of off seasons. That being said, the best path forward, absolutely, in my opinion, is to draft a quarterback in the first round and it'd be great to get one this offseason. Now, we need to see how the rest of the season plays out because I'm not saying this, but I'm going to say it as a possibility that I still think is remote. If Sam Darnold plays like he did on Sunday, now he's going to have to show a lot more. He's honestly 11 for 19, 164 yards, one touchdown through the air. I mean, there was two beautiful balls to DJ Moore and all that. Like, that's great. But you're going to need a lot more out of a quarterback here in Carolina than what you got at Sam Darnold on Sunday. It was good enough to win right now, but will it be good enough to win, you know, in the playoffs and lift the Lombardi trophy. Cause that's the whole deal here. It's not just to you know, get a quarterback. It's to get the guy who can lead a parade down trade street, down mint street, down Moorhead, wherever street in uptown Charlotte, they want to have the parade at. That's what you're looking for in a quarterback. So when we talk about just take a quarterback to take a quarterback, no, take the right guy. That's what's important and cannot be lost in all of this of, Hey, oh man, are they winning too many games? Are they not going to be able to get a quarterback? If you can't get the guy, then don't just take a guy because they just took a guy and gave up assets for him this past offseason. Maybe he becomes the guy, Matt Corral. To me, I don't necessarily see that being the case, but we'll see how it works out here in Carolina. And certainly if Darnold plays well enough, it could afford Matt Corral an opportunity based on the Panthers maybe not being in a position to take a quarterback, which is the crux of this conversation in the first place. Now, looking at the updated draft order, and I actually have it right this time. Number one overall, the Houston Texans. They have turned to Kyle Allen. That's how dire things are for Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans right now. They stink. They're going to continue to stink. If they win another game, it would be a miracle. They're not going to be very good. They're not going to win enough games for the Carolina Panthers to then fall behind them. They're going to get the number one pick, and they are absolutely going to take a quarterback. Whether it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, I don't know. But one of those three will be off the board. My guess is probably Bryce Young. So second, Chicago already have Justin Fields. As we know, don't need a quarterback. Fields has actually looked like the best of the quarterbacks from that 2021 draft class. The class of the parent, the Panthers could have taken Justin Fields or Mac Jones, but they opted not to, took J.C. Horn instead, and betted on Sam Darnold to be the right guy. And as of this point, Sam Darnold has not been the answer and probably will not be the answer unless a coconut actually hit him on the head and he turns out to be the guy that we always hoped he would be back when he came out of USC. Now, we, not necessarily me, but y'all and other people out there, who like to make excuses for him, or maybe they're just reasons. I don't know. We'll see. Number three, it is the Detroit Lions via the trade that sent Jared Goff to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. Somehow, someway, the Rams are awful enough for Detroit, who typically is already in the top three every year, <coughs> to, excuse me, be sitting there with the number three pick. Detroit's going to have a decision to make. They've been competitive 
uh, a competitive four and seven. They really blew that game on Thanksgiving Day. It was very frustrating to watch whatever in the world Dan Campbell was trying to do as far as the clock at the end of that game and the lead 23 seconds left in the clock for Buffalo to go out there and win it. I was very mad about that, but I'm moving on and moving forward. They can stay with Jared Goff if they like. They could also cut him this offseason. They can save $20 million against the salary cap and take on a $10 million dead cap hit. And if they waited another offseason, they could then save $25 million and only take a $5 million dead cap hit. It really depends on how much they believe in Jared Goff. Brad Allen is the general manager. He came over there from L.A. He was a part of that front office that drafted Goff. Campbell said he believes in Goff. We'll see what the Ford family wants to do and if they want to keep Dan Campbell for another season because certainly that would play a factor if it's a new head coach. You got to guess they're probably going to want to bring in their own quarterback and start anew. If it's Dan Campbell, good chance Detroit decides they're going to bypass the quarterback for the second year in a row. Well, let's not say good chance. There is a possibility that could happen. We'll see. And also, when you think about it, it's like, hey, go draft a quarterback. Well, look at who you're replacing. You're replacing a former number one overall pick with potentially another quarterback there in the top three. You're seeing firsthand how that might not work out. So I don't know what they want to do. Number four, Seattle, by way of the trade with Denver this past offseason, that sent Russell Wilson down to mile high to be awful. The Seattle Seahawks have gotten great quarterback play out of Geno Smith, probably the NFL comeback player of the year. He's been phenomenal. Really excited to see what he can do against his Panthers defense in a couple-week time. Now, hopefully the Panthers defense plays well and all that, but really great story for Geno. Geno is a free agent. He's only making $3.5 million this year. I would guess, considering how bullish the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, John Snyder, the general manager, were on Geno Smith this past offseason, how much the players in that locker room love him, and the young core that they have and what they've been able to do, I would guess Seattle probably is not looking to draft the quarterback, and they're going to look for a respectable deal to give Geno Smith after the season, especially if he takes him to the playoffs, which I think they have a good chance of getting to at this point in time. That then leads you to Carolina at five and sitting right behind them, at six is New Orleans. I think the common theme is that the Carolina Panthers or New Orleans Saints, depending on how those guys, those two teams finish in the NFC South, they're going to be jockeying for, for position to get ahead of the other team to draft a quarterback. Because the Texans are going to take one. There's a chance Detroit takes one. And then after that, you either have the number two or three guy. And it's going to be New Orleans or, or, or uh, Carolina, who I think are really going to be looking for that, that player. Now, the Saints... I don't necessarily know what their draft capital is, but I feel like it's not as strong as it's been in the past. But I think it's really going to be up to whether Carolina is comfortable enough to sit there at five and if Detroit or Seattle want to take on picks because Seattle just got a ton of picks. They can continue to get more if they want to, which would be great for them in the future. Or maybe they look at it as, hey, let's continue to build this team around Geno after a really strong draft class and not give up this fourth pick. In Detroit, they got a lot of picks from L.A., and look where it's got them this year. Maybe they think, well, it's not going to be the same case again. Maybe let's get some picks from New Orleans and let them build a young quarterback and be able to take those picks for the future, especially maybe if they have a new head coach. But if they have a new head coach, then they probably would actually be taking a quarterback there at three instead. It's going to be really dependent upon where New Orleans, maybe even Tampa, are behind Carolina, wherever everyone lands in the NFC South in if someone's trying to leapfrog the other team in your division. So I understand the consternation and people being kind of worried about, oh, are they going to play them way out of the quarterback? Again, 
if your team is actually a playoff team without having identified a franchise quarterback and having fired your head coach and gone to an interim, you got to feel pretty good about the foundation here in Carolina and that in due time they will find the right guy and that person will be coming into a good situation because the situation means just as much as the coach who's here and, of course, of the talent of that quarterback that you potentially bring in here to Carolina in the future. So we'll continue to break it down, down I'm sure, throughout the next coming months as we figure out what's going to happen at, with the head coach, what's going to happen <coughs> as far as whether they're in the draft and all that here over the next couple weeks and months here on the show and, of course, in the actual world. Okay, um, looking at ESPN.com, they always like to put out these lists. They had an interesting list of their top 25 under five, 25 rather, not under five, <laughs> ranking the best 25 or best players who are 24 years or younger. And they have a couple of Carolina Panthers. And looking at it, I'm seeing just again why Scott Fair decided that, hey, I don't really need to trade all these guys away. We got a pretty solid foundation here. So we'll break that all down here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But first, this episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. And once you do, be sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help you find a qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's not really list season, but the NFL and really, I guess not the NFL, but ESPN.com decided uh, let's go ahead and put out a, a top 25 under 25 list ranking the best players 24 y- years or younger. And I was curious to see how many Carolina Panthers were going to be on this list. And only one of them made it. I'm sure you know which Panther it was. It was Brian Burns, who ranked 11th. And the reasoning was Burns is electric off the edge, the lower body flex, and short area speed to create havoc. He's a disruptor who has produced 35 and a half sacks, 152 pressures, and seven forced fumbles during his four-year career. And I still think he's actually underrated when discussing the top pass rushers in the NFL. That comes from Matt Bowen of ESPN.com, and I, I agree with him. Brian Burns has been terrific. He's on the way to yet another Pro Bowl season. He could be one of the catalysts to lead the Carolina Panthers to the playoffs. They were able to capitalize on this week's schedule in the final five games of the season. We'll see how it works out. But Brian Burns is a stud. And there's a reason why the Carolina Panthers, namely Scott Fitter and I guess David Tepper as well, the owner here, decided that they didn't want to give up Brian Burns for two first-round picks from the Rams that won't 
come until 2024 and 2025. Now, if it's a first-round pick this year where the Rams, as we just talked about, are currently sitting at third overall, which, of course, the Rams don't have, um, yeah, you would be really excited about that. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So why not just keep Brian Burns here and value players over picks, which that's what the Carolina Panthers did when they decided to keep Brian Burns. And they also did that when they decided to keep Derek Brown, who was named as honorable mention in ESPN's NFL top 25 under 25 saying it's hard to get love on a national level as a nose tackle but brown is making a name as one of the best in the game he's dominant against the run and brings pressure on the pocket as a pass rusher too brown's lack of flashy stats just six career sacks and zero force rumbles over three seasons keeps him just outside the top 25 though that's according to matt miller who is one of the draft analysts there for espn.com we ask going the year is Derek Brown going to finally break out? And he has. He's played really well. Yes, he still is not someone who's going to create a ton of turnovers or get sacks, but he's just a solid player. And what you need is a solid player at this point in time. And if you can get tackles for loss, you can blow it up the run, and you can be a solid presence, which he has been this season against the run and in the middle of that defense, you got to be happy about that. What's the one time the Panthers really look helpless stopping the run outside of week one? It was at Cincinnati. And what happened that day? Derek Brown was sick. In the first half, sat out the second half. What happened? Come back Thursday night. Came out, played really well against the run, and they played really well against the run since that game where Derrick Brown was sick, and the Panthers' defense got absolutely embarrassed against Cincinnati. And I would expect that to be the case moving forward here in Carolina. Now, a couple names that you did not hear: Jeremy Chin, who's been out, missed six games so far this season with the hamstring, which I think plays a role. He also, like Burns and Brown are underrated players because the team has just not been good overall record-wise. Now, they can win some games here in the second half of the season. I think a lot of that will change, namely because Jeremy Chin is a part of the secondary that Steve Wilkes mentioned needs to go out and continue to play well if the Panthers want to win games in the last five weeks of the season. Jeremy Chin currently is ranked 20, is now currently is not ranked, but he is 24 years old. DJ Moore not eligible at 25, but I'm sure a year ago he would be on this list. I don't know if he'd be on the list right now. I think he would have to be, but the fact that he has not a great quarterback play, and that's really hurt his stats, maybe he wouldn't be, but you look at DJ Moore, you know what he's capable of. He's a great player. Iki Aquanu, not on the list, still a rookie, young, but there's players like Panay Sewell, who I was banging on the table for the Carolina Panthers to take had he been there available back in 2021. There's players like Rashawn Slater also on that list. Icky, 22 years old, you got a solid core. And that's why I sat here a couple weeks ago at trade deadline and said I was totally fine with them passing on the offers for Brian Burns, for Derek Brown, and for DJ Moore because they're young, they're talented, and this is a great reason why a former, a new coach, whether it's Stacey Steve Wilkes or someone else, would be attracted to this job and why the Carolina Panthers could potentially turn this around next season as long as they get everything right coaching-wise and, of course, at the quarterback position, whether it's someone emerging in the last couple weeks of the season, that probably most likely being Sam Darnold, or if they're able to hit the right quarterback in the draft come April and May. So we'll see how that all breaks down. But Brian Burns getting some recognition. Well, Derek Brown also someone they recognize as a good player, but it's not just them. There's plenty of young, talented players in this team that can help turn things around, hopefully in the last five weeks of the season, but heading into 2023 and beyond here in Carolina. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show, 
over on our Locked on Panthers YouTube channel. Check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show there. And follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. Participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. In the meantime, be, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding. And I'll talk to y'all on Thursday. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.